Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome in, MD Nation. You're back with the MD's Fantasy Football Show on a whole new time for you. We are going over the Thursday night preview and the early slate games on Sunday in this show. This would normally be our Thursday morning show. And now we're here on Wednesday night instead. As always, I'm your host, Dan Meter. Joined here at Chris Dowhauer. Chris, how are you doing tonight? Just we're on a different time, but still great, same great information we're providing for you guys. I'm still doing pretty host. well. Still the same host. It's all that matters, right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. I'm doing better than John Gruden's career. I'll say that. <laughs> Ended abruptly. That news, I don't know if you caught it uh, on, on Monday, Chris. That news literally broke two minutes before I went on air on Monday night. Kind of glad it did, so I was able to lead off the show and talk about that a little bit. I want to get your opinion. So I'm going to get your opinion before we dive into this thing like we usually do. I said that John Gruden, this was probably the best thing that could have happened long-term for Raiders fans. I know right now it's not going to feel great. You don't want this kind of light on your team. This season's going to feel very rocky, almost at a loss at this point. I get it. But long-term, being that Gruden was going nowhere, and I had no faith that he was going to ever take them to the promised land anyway, I think long-term, it was actually the best thing for them. Where do you stand? Uh, so on Belly Up Fantasy Live on Tuesday, we talked about this so well. I don't want to just think it's great for long-term. I think it benefits the players right now in the short-term, particularly fantasy-wise. I think we get rid of some of the shenanigans that Gruden likes to do with some of his favorites where he just throws in curveballs to guys he likes to play for random reasons. You know, Jalen Rashard came off IR last week. I was petrified he was going to start stealing t- carries and touches somehow in that backfield. Now that probably goes away. Um, so I think a lot of guys are going to be more mainstream, but I think Derek Carr has much more security in the team. I think that's going to be important moving forward. And I think overall, I think the franchise is in a better place today than it was under his watch. And, and this is just this is just our assessment from a football standpoint. It has nothing to do with all the stuff that happened off the field as to why he lost his job in the first place. Obviously, from that standpoint, I don't think culturally you, you could have kept him in the room, especially after the New York Times broke out with a huge, huge paper trail. 
but just quickly, and this is the game I think we're going to talk about. I believe they're late slate games, so I'm going to talk about more about this game in particular tomorrow. But just for rest of season, what is your fantasy football impact for the Raiders? I think you can have more confidence in some of the players that are the established guys. I think you're going to be able to see Josh Jacobs maybe not have to come out the field so often. I think you might even see Kenny Drake. We get more involved because they paid him a lot of money to be on that field. For some reason, he's been in doghouse for Gruden. And I also think you're going to see the quarterback play steady back out. I think this is going to be Derek Carr's team moving forward. And he's going to have a lot of input in what they call. I think he's going to be one kind of leading the show out there. I agree with that. I'm also very curious to see how it breaks down for the running back position. You paid all that money to Kenyon Drake. Now, th- that might have been more of a Gruden thing than anything else, but they weren't utilizing him anyway. Do you think this is better or worse for Josh Jacobs, who last week, keep in mind, actually had five targets in that game, suddenly started to work as the workhorse back? I think it's going to be better. I mean, we did see that happen last week, but in two weeks, who knows what's going to happen? This has right. kind of been J- John Gruden's MO. When he does things that make sense, also he just throws curveballs, like I said before. And you have a random player who gets playing time or a random player he just kind of wants to utilize for a game or two. So I think it kind of eliminates that aspect. It makes it more of a streamlined thing where you're not worried about if, you know, Jacobs has a fumble, Pete and Barber are going to come out there. Um, I think it's going to be pretty much Drake and Jacobs back there moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, what was it? Not this past week, but the week before, Jalen Richard was oddly involved as well. He's had some exactly. snaps anyway. So it's a chaos mess. Look, from a fantasy standpoint, you still pretty much only feel confident in Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs and Derek Carr can be a streaming option. You're still waiting for things to shake out in the receivers. I mean, Hunter Renfro's been the most stable guy, but how excited are you to play a guy who doesn't have much of a ceiling? Henry Ruggs is a big ceiling, but still not consistently utilized. Brian Edwards is out there more than any of them and gets utilized the least as far as actual production goes from a fantasy standpoint. So we still have the way that that shakes out. So that's why immediately in the immediate future, I don't think your fantasy expectations change one way or another, but we're going to have to be on the lookout and see how this whole thing plays out. Obviously speaking, moving forward after this Sunday, hopefully we get a pretty decent uh, idea. Chris, one of the things I was worried about when we went to this new schedule is that MD Nation knows I usually have the rankings out Thursday morning. I was a little afraid that I would not be able to do it. And, and you know, I want to have the rankings out before we do this show in particular. It's our first preview show of the week. I was able to make it work. I was able to make it work for MD Nation. So now, and you, I think we're actually got it down to a pretty good formula here moving forward. Hopefully it's able to stay the same. So now when you go to bellyfantasysports.com on Wednesday mornings instead of Thursday mornings, you should have my updated rankings. So just a little bit earlier, a little bit more of an edge for you guys, and hopefully we'll be able to keep that going without any hiccups for the rest of the year. Knock on wood, because everything's always a hiccup, it feels like, all the time anyway. So when I went through my rankings, obviously I'm looking at tomorrow's game. Tomorrow's game, huge fantasy impact. One of the higher over-unders on the week. You have the Bucks. you have the Philadelphia Eagles, two teams not playing particularly well on defense, two offenses that are very pass heavy and up tempo this entire season. Let's start on the Tampa Bay Bucks side of the ball. Tom Brady, my number three quarterback on the week. I think it's hard for anybody to argue that when he's throwing the ball the way he is it's coming off a 400 yard five touchdown performance. And of course, all the wide receivers that go with it. I think was a more interesting conversation is the wide receivers. Rob Gronkowski is out. We'll talk about the tight ends in a minute, but Rob Gronkowski is out. That means we know we have the target consolidation centralized around Evans and Godwin and Antonio Brown. I have all three of them in the top 24. I have Mike Evans at 11, Chris Godwin at 16, Antonio Brown at 22. Where are you at on them? Is there anything you would change? 
I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily change anything or think that, yeah, the rankings are pretty good. I just am really interested to see how this game kind of unfolds. The Eagles have been really good against receivers. Um, they haven't given up a lot of fantasy points. So it's going to kind of be interesting to see does everybody kind of eat for Tampa Bay because the Eagles defense has been one of the better secondaries versus the pass, um, especially against in the slot position. So it's going to be really interesting to see are these guys kind of able to do what they've been doing or is it going to be maybe a little bit of a change just because the Eagles have been really good against the pass? See, I think the reason why the Eagles defense statistically looks good against the pass is because they have been unnaturally bad against the run. And teams have been able to kind of pulverize them this season. Something that really hasn't been the case in Philadelphia since Fletcher Cox has been there. So that's why it's a little bit odd. But Brandon Graham goes down, and maybe he had a lot to do with that as well. Since then, they're giving up a ton on the ground. Tampa Bay doesn't look to run the ball. So that's why I think it's a little bit of a context here for the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think their secondary is actually that good. I think it's just a matter of teams being able to run on them whenever they want to. Yeah, I tend to agree. That's why I said I wouldn't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily fade in these guys. I think it's just going to be more, are these numbers actually real? Or is it to you what you're pointing out? Is it something a result of kind of game flow? I mean, Dallas is a great example. Dallas ran down their throats. Dallas has three good receivers. All those guys kind of underachieved that game. But it was it was it because they couldn't get open, or was it more so because Ezekiel, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard were running wild on that game? Yeah, and completely dominates. And San Francisco did the same thing in week two. And I'm drawing Carolina was you know they got they got the Sam Darnold. A big part of that it wasn't so much the wide receivers not performing as I think it was Sam Darnold looking like the Sam Darnold of old that we all know, or you and I at least know, and have told MD Nation that he truly is about. Uh, good call by you, by the way, because you made that call on Friday night about the Philadelphia Eagles not only just winning outright and you winning the bet, but making the point of, you think they were going to get to Darnold, and, and they did. So let's see if we can keep that rolling again this Friday night when we're on again with Chaz Flaherty in the DFS contest and our lock bets of the week. But, of course, we'll go through our bets as we go through this show. Leonard Fournette, he's my RB6. Well, actually, before I get into that, I did want to ask you this. Rest of season, when you look at these three receivers, who's your most valuable one? I think it has to be Mike Evans. I mean, Mike Evans has been on pretty much a roll um, the, most of the season. He had like one game where he had a little bit of a hiccup, but he's the red zone dominant. He's the guy that Tom Brady looks for the big play from, and this guy can dominate against any kind of player you put on him. So I think Chris Evans is the guy I think is the most valuable to have. Now, but for me, I, I tend to agree with you, except for when Gronk is there, because he eat, he's the one who eats away at his touchdown production. When Gronk comes back, is that still your answer? It is, because I still think Mike Evans is still going to be the guy. Um, I mean, Gronk did score a lot of touchdowns, but everybody, the person I saw actually suffer the most from Gronk was Antonio Brown. He kind of got forgotten about more often than not sometimes in the playbook calls. He, because he can move around more in the formations right now, you're seeing Antonio Brown kind of the resurgence. But I think Mike Evans has always been kind of that alpha in that, in that entire receiver core. Yeah, I tend to agree with you. But for the record, even when Gronk comes back, I still think all three of these guys are top 24 receivers more times than not, and Gronk can still be a top 10 tight end. The volume and the passing attack of this team is ridiculous, and that's why Tom Brady, there's going to be very few games where he's outside my top three. Certainly, I don't expect him to be outside my top five, again, really for the rest of the season, as long as this continues, and as long as there's no rain and them playing in New England anymore, which there shouldn't be. Leonard Fournette is my RB16 on the week. Bernard was healthy, came back this week. He played a little bit. Now, they may have just been easing him back in, Maybe he gets back to his two-minute drill role that he seemed to have right before he got the injury. But Leonard Fournette is so far ahead of Ronald Jones now, and they don't seem to not want to take Leonard Fournette out of the passing game completely either. He might be an RB2 for me the rest of the way. Yeah, I think he's, I mean, I think he's got to be in that discussion for sure. 
if he's going to continue to get this volume and the amount of touches and playing time that he is on an offense as high octane like this offense is, you have to kind of consider him an RB2. I think he's definitely a flex play at RB3 moving forward no matter what. Um, but I do think that he has an opportunity to kind of, you know, solidify himself as an RB2 option moving forward. And while I haven't been super excited about the seemingly lack of explosion out of him, he has been breaking quite a few tackles and showing that power off, which has just been complimenting the offense in general. In this matchup, again, we go back to, you know, we don't think the Eagles secondary is actually that great. You can run the ball all over him. You love this matchup for Leonard Fournette. Cameron Brails make a quick note. He's my tight end 18. That puts him just outside the streaming tight end territory, but also keep in mind, O.J. Howard, it wasn't much, but O.J. Howard actually did wind up running a few more routes than he did last week. There's too much going on with the receivers. I think you can find a better streaming option, and we'll talk about that throughout the show, than a Cameron Bray this upcoming week if you're out without Gronk. Again, on the Philadelphia side of the ball, Jalen Hurts. He saved my butt in a big way. He saved a lot of people's butt in a big way on Sunday because I thought we were about to get donkey dumped there by Jalen Hurts, and he comes in with two rushing touchdowns at the end of the game, saves his fantasy day. Because of his legs, he still has not scored less than 23 fantasy points this season. And you got to love the matchup here because Tampa Bay has been a leaking faucet when it comes to quarterbacks. Yeah, they're banged up in the secondary. And I think that you're going to see Tampa Bay get up early in this game. I think you're going to have to see Jalen Hurst become the guy who's scrambling around trying to make plays. I also think Tampa Bay is going to get a lot of pass rush on this guy. So I'm not expecting to have great passing numbers. I do expect them to run the ball because I think it's going to be a lot of second and 18s and you're going to see Jalen tucking and running with the ball. So I think there's an opportunity for him to have that floor with the rushing he has. Um, I think you're looking for more of his legs being utilized again. I know the opportunity in the air looks great tantalizing, but I, I'm, I think right now you look at this defense, particularly the offensive line is banged up. It is for the Eagles. They're going to be able to get the Jalen Hurts. I don't disagree with that. I think they will as well. But at the same time, as, for, as your point with the legs and why he's still my QB6 and he's been the QB5 so far this season, you got Levante Davis going to be out. Antoine Winfield's going to be out. Those are two huge pieces of this Tampa Bay defense. So again, that goes to his legs being a pretty good factor. And if he does get any time, I do expect Devonta Smith to have a very good game in this one as well. Good matchup, especially without Winfield back there to be a ball hawk that he can sometimes be over the middle. Devonta Smith comes in as my 24th receiver. He is a low-end wide receiver, too, for me. The target share has stayed consistent for him every single week. He has one of the safest floors right now of any wide receiver. And in this type of matchup, we might see him go over 100 yards for the second time this season. Yeah, I think definitely it's an opportunity to, between the game script and the fact that he's pretty much their best receiving target right now. We're going to talk about it a little bit, but there's going to be no Dallas Goddard in this game, so it's going to kind of streamline some of these targets. Devonta Smith is actually, you know, obviously the guy that they look for to cut involved in this passing game the most. I can think it's going to continue. My only concern for him is his opportunity to get down the field, becoming more and more of a possession receiver, and not really moving him around as much as I kind of hope they would. Um, so I kind of have – there are some limitations whether how explosive he's going to be ceiling-wise, but I think you're going to have that consistency and definitely have production up there. And I'll talk about one more guy that I'm excited for the Eagles, and that's Zach Ertz. Comes in at my tight end six. Dallas Goddard out. COVID tested positive. No way he's going to play in this game tomorrow. And we've always known that if there's just one tight end in Philadelphia, it's going to be a top eight tight end for sure. Zach Ertz has actually been running more routes than Dallas Goddard at this point anyway. Go figure. Uh, but he's going to be my tight end six heading into this matchup. Target consolidation is going to be around Devonta. It's going to be around Zach Ertz in this game. Yeah, I'm not a big on Ertz, but I do think if this is your opportunity to play him, this is going to be this week. It's going to be the best chance for you to have, you know, Zach Ertz out there in your lineups. Um, I, I think that there is – I'm still questioning about his skill set. 
I don't think he's a very slow plotting. He doesn't look very explosive to me. Um, I do think he's a guy who might be involved in the passing game, but I still question how often they use tight ends in this offense. I mean, even though he's been running more routes than Dallas Goddard, neither guy's really shined in any kind of capacity, and they're really dependent on touchdowns. Well, here's what I will say to that. If you consolidate them down the one guy, you're talking about the tight end three for the year. When you add up all their targets and routes run and touchdowns, you consolidate in one guy. They are elite tight end force. You're going to get a semblance of that this week in Zach Ertz. Now, I like Dallas Goddard's talent a heck of a lot better. I'm not going to disagree with you on that. However, with Levante David out and the fact that you're going to have target consolidation around this team to begin with, especially in the red zone, for instance, Zach Ertz made my waiver wire report in yesterday's episode. He's only 23% owned. For this exact reason, you're looking for matchups to replace Gronk with. This is a game in which I'm going to replace Gronk with Zach Ertz rather than a Cameron Bray. Let's I will tell something. you. Oh, go ahead. I, was say, I will tell you a guy that I think is under the radar and it could be a nice sleeper in this game, and that's Quiz Watkins. He has the best matchup on paper versus the slot receiver in Tampa in slot corner in Tampa Bay, who's been just getting torched left and right most of this season. Watkins is getting more and more playing time, ran more routes than Jalen Rieger did last week. So I do think Quiz Watkins could be a nice little sneaky pick for a play by some people. Yeah, I like him more for DFS purposes. I think in redraft leagues, while there is four teams on by, I think you can still find better options than a Quez Watkins. Uh, he's coming into my wide receiver five territory in my rankings uh, this week. But DFS-wise, I'm kind of with you there. I'd rather have him than a Jalen Riker. I'll tell you that much right now. A guy who was kind of funny last week. We, Chris, we talked about him. We said, this is ridiculous. Miles Sanders, while we're not big fans, needs to get the ball a little bit more. Well, he got the little bit more, and uh, he stunk. I don't see it getting any better against Tampa Bay. <laughs> Nobody can run the ball in Tampa Bay, especially not a putrid rushing attack, which is what the Philadelphia Eagles have been. And I'm a little bit worried that because he stunk, even though they actually wound up winning that game, they, especially in this matchup against Tampa Bay, where the one thing you can kind of do is throw the ball to the running back, I really do wonder if they don't wind up going back the Kenneth Gainwell, particularly in that role in this matchup. I do think you're going to see more Gainwell than we did last week. Having said that, I don't think it was necessarily Sanders' fault that he stunk. Um, he ran the ball pretty well. It's only 11 carries. They threw the ball to him five times. He had six for six yards. That's where he stunk. But you also look at the play calling and the plays that they're basically making is glorified handoff toss plays, basically. They didn't really give him a chance to make any kind of moves. They didn't give him a chance to run any angle routes out of the backfield. They gave him basically the game of the ball with two or three guys already coming down on him. That's why he wasn't able to do anything with it. It was just a stupid play calling. They got the ball in his hands, but it wasn't how they used Gainwell. Gainwell's going to use him a lot more as like, you know, as like a Gio Bernard type where he's getting in and out of his breaks. He's got optional routes. He can run out of the backfield. That's what I kind of thought Sanders would get a chance to do at some point. But no, he's just basically having a, a sweet play as it's called a pass. Yeah, well, uh, that's because Serini actually likes Gainwell and hates Sanders. And I don't expect that to get any better this week against Tampa Bay again. So I actually have Sanders at 33, and he only makes my top 36 because there's four teams on by. And Kenneth Gainwell is my RB38. So I have him very, very close in the rankings because I'm anticipating Gainwell having that extra role in the passing game. We'll if, they actually, if they actually do try to run the ball. Now, this is one thing right. people just assume we can't run the ball against Tampa Bay. I think that they should try to run the ball. You can attack their edges with speed. That's where Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell both can be successful. But if you just try to run up the middle, no, you're not going to run on those tackles in, in Tampa Bay. But you can attack their edges if you actually get outside and run the ball consistently. There's just no team that's really tried that on the Without Lane Johnson, it's going to be – but they still have my um, – uh, I forget the guys on the other, other left tackle. I can't say his name correctly. 
the big uh, big kid from Australia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't say his name correctly. Everyone knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's been pretty good this year, and he's still can. He's a good pulling guard. I'm just saying that that is a way people haven't really attacked Tampa Bay. And if you're smart, they actually would do that. Like, but uh, Sirianni has been smart all season. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I don't think they're going to bother because no one else has even bothered to. And they're, this isn't a particular team that's really tried to run the ball much this year to begin with. Tampa Bay is minus seven in this game, over under set at 52 and a half. Where are you at, Chris? I would. I might go the over in that game. Um, I do think there's going to be a little bit more points scored than that. Because I can see Tampa Bay easily scoring a 35. I think the Eagles can score between 24 to 28, somewhere in that range. So I do think I'd go on the over, but I'd take the Tampa. Um, it, there's a, this one game has a little bit of a track feel to it to, to a degree as well. Like I said, it's, I feel like there's things that just stand out to you, like not being able to run the ball against Tampa Bay. But there's things that kind of add up for both sides. If they actually play differently, it could turn out way different in a lot of senses um, because you have the defense on for the Eagles to actually get a pass rush. Tom Brady has, has a banged up, you know, banged up thumb. If you get some pressure in his face, maybe it changes the game, changes the complexion, how big, how many scores going on it. But as it is right now, I think I would do the over, but I wouldn't necessarily bet anything more than that. Taking the same game parlay. I'm taking Tampa Bay minus seven and the over on the 52 and a half. They're just playing like a, a much better team right now. And I have no faith in Serene to come out with a game plan in, in a couple of days because he doesn't come out with game plans. He has four weeks to prepare. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to not go that direction when it comes to this game. I'm all in on Tampa Bay, even on the road, mind you, uh, at minus seven as well. The over-under, I feel more confident about to your point, but I, I do like the same game parlay there. Let's talk about the London game. We got another London game this week. Another game we can wake up and eat breakfast and watch TV. It's another crappy one. <laughs> Send one good game out there, please. Don't let them think that this is what the NFL is actually like. Well, we got the Miami Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, I feel like the Jaguars are contractually obligated to go out there at least once a year anyway. So, fine. Get this out the way. Maybe the next two London games will be a little bit better. Two attack Lavoa does return. Now, Tack Lavoa is not a streaming quarterback for me in, in his first week back with the Dolphins having really no weapons to go around, even against Jacksonville. However, I will be excited to get him back in there. One, does him coming back suddenly create the Miami Dolphins identity because they were preparing to go in with the identity of Tua being the quarterback and what they actually want to do? And, you know, maybe they weren't able to do that with Jacoby Brissett because we talked about this. They need an identity. And then two, how does that affect the pass catchers? I mean, Devontae Parker, he's got a hamstring injury still. He didn't practice today. I have him ranked as if he will play for now until that changes. He's at wide receiver 37. But I'm more interested to see with Mike Gusecki, who is targeted a lot more when Brissett comes into the game. Now he's been playing a lot more as well since that week one, which is really the last time we see him together with Tua. And now it will fuller out the real possibility of Devontae Parker being out. Can Tua afford not to go to Mike Gusecki in this matchup I feel it's going to be him and Waddle. I have Gasicki at tight end nine, Waddle at wide receiver 29. What are you making of this team? We'll talk about Miles Gaskin after you answer about the pass catchers. Yeah, I mean, I think this is a wait-and-see situation. It's a great, you know, on paper, it's a great matchup, particularly even for Tua coming off of the IR because it's a Jacksonville defense defense that hasn't been good all season long and a team that likes to play with pace, so you're going to get a lot of opportunities out there. Um, but having said that, I think Jalen Waddle is definitely the clear, easiest option. A little disappointed what he did last week. I think it was, you know, against uh, Tennessee, you kind of expected him to be able to be a lot more involved and, and he's scoring a lot more points, but he really wasn't. Um, but 
I think overall, I think Jalen Wild is the safest guy in the receiving court to kind of go with. If Parker is healthy, I think he's a good play as well. I don't think Preston Williams is a bad option. If you don't, if you have Parker, you need to kind of find somebody to kind of shove in there and, and drill on up a need be. Uh, the Gasecki is the biggest one I'm curious about. So I agree with you. There was there seems to be a kind of an awkward chemistry between him and Tua. Tua does prefer to look for the receivers more so than I think that Brissett obviously loves to go to the tight end. So you saw a big, big jump in Gasecki's you know, production as a result of that. But you also saw Gasecki kind of underwhelm last week as well. So I'm kind of curious to see, is it going to be a play-calling thing that kind of gets him the ball, or is it going to be is it two who just doesn't have a connection with him? But Gasecki, to me, is somebody, if you have him on your team, you're probably playing him because you, you know, it's Jacksonville and you wouldn't have an opportunity to have him in your lineup. But it's also got my temper my expectations of, even though the rate is a juicy matchup. The, the one thing I will say, if Parker's out of this game too. Listen, if you're still living with bladder accidents, stop. It's time to get your life back. I was just like you until I found real relief with Axonics Therapy. It's not a pill or a pad. It's a clinically proven advanced treatment. Get started at findrealrelief.com. That's findrealrelief.com. Consult a bladder specialist to find out if Axonics is right for you. Results and experiences may vary. For more information about safety and potential risks, go to findrealrelief.com. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. You go back to last year, Gusecki did have good games with Tua when, by default, he's the only one to really go to. So if it's just him and Waddle, I think you're okay. That's why I still have him as a tight end 10, because, again, you're just going after the matchup. But we're both going to have our eyes on this moving forward, exactly what can we expect out of these pass catchers, because while this Dolphins offense has been underperforming, there is some fancy value to be had here if you strike it in the right positions. Now let's talk about Miles Gaskin, the curious, curious, curious case of Miles Gaskin. So I have him at RB20. I don't feel good about it at all, but I do have him at RB20. I have to think, after last week, the lack of pass catchers these guys have, they would at least make a point to go back to him again in the passing game. I'd have to think. I don't know. Would I be shocked if they did turn around did what they did two weeks ago and give Malcolm Brown 62 snaps and Miles Gaskin isn't even barely on the field? No, I wouldn't, unfortunately. But I have to roll with logic prevailing in a good match against Jacksonville, so I don't feel good about it. But he is RB20. He at least would be a flex play for me hitting in this week. Yeah, I misspoke. I said the Titans. I meant to say Tampa Bay. Um, and that's you called Miles Gaskin had that big passing game against Tampa Bay because you can't run the ball versus that team. But Miami sucked, sucked at running the ball this entire season. It hasn't really even tried to. Um, they've, they lead the league in neutral rate passing. They refuse to kind of establish the run. With Tua back there, it's going to be really interesting to see, is he going to check the ball down as much as Jacoby Brissett did, or is it going to be a little bit more looking to get down the ball down the field? I do think that's going to be kind of a curious thing. And, and I also agree with you, Malcolm Brown, I think, is looming really big in this game because I don't think that it's going to be similar to what last week's script was where Tampa Bay just blew the Dolphins out, basically, and it was a passing game. It was This game's going to be close, and as a result, you're probably going to see actually more rushing. Therefore, you might see more Malcolm Brown out there. And that does make me really concerned about Gaskin owners. I think that you have to, if you're going to have him, you're going to play him, you play him as a flex. You don't really want him to be your RB2 if you can avoid doing so. 
This is I just I got to put this out there for the uh, the Dolphins uh, offensive coordinator coaching staff. Against Tampa Bay, Miles Gaskin still there's only five carries, but still had five yards to carry. Just get the guy the ball. I don't know what the problem is. I can't believe I'm being the drum for Miles Gaskin, but here I am. All right, this, so, they, they yeah. got to start getting on that play callers because this dual play caller two offensive coordinator thing isn't working in Miami. It looks like crap out there. There's no continuity, no identity. Let's talk about a team that just in general has no continuity and to have a crappy identity. They have an identity, but it's a crappy one. Jacksonville here. Good old Urban Meyer strikes again. So I'm going to start off with this. Trevor Lawrence, my QB 16 this week, which means he does come in my streaming quarterbacks. Reason mostly being is because now we've seen the last two weeks him finally start to use his legs as a weapon. As a result of that, against the Dolphins, which is going to have a banged-up defense, I don't expect Xavier Howard to play. We still got to see about Byron Jones. So it's going to be a banged-up secondary for Miami. He does come in at 16, which makes him a streaming option. Not a must-start, but a streaming option for you this week. And then I want to tie that in with the pass catchers. I don't know why Tavon Austin and Jamal Agnew were the leading stars of the receiving crew with DJ Chark out. It makes no sense. Up until that point, Marvin Jones had been the lead guy. LaVisca Chanel had gotten his in the game, which Chark got hurt. I don't expect that to happen again. At least I don't think it'll happen again. Marvin Jones comes in at wide receiver 36 for me. Chanel at wide receiver 38. So potential flex plays depending upon your lineups this week. I do think we get back to the target consolidation being around them. And then the other pass catcher we'll talk about first before we hit the running backs, Dan Arnold, tight end 12 for me this week. He's getting the targets. It's there. He comes in as a low-end tight end one. I expect that I expect that target share to continue. While I didn't I didn't know what happened with the Jamal Agnew and Tavon Austin stuff, that was just nuts. I do expect Dan Arnold, what he did last week, for that to continue. So that's where I'm at with Trevor Lawrence and the pass catchers. Where are you? So I didn't hear about the Howard. Is he is he out for sure? I didn't know he, he didn't had an practice, injury. He didn't practice again today, and he's they're leaning towards him not being able to play on Sunday as of now. Now, we'll, we'll keep it on the practice report, of course. But as of right now, it's not looking good. Yeah, I think that's going to be huge. A lot of people are on down on this Dolphins defense, and I don't blame them. Having said that, the secondary had been pretty good till last week. Oh, they played Tom Brady. They're not playing Tom Brady again. They're not playing no. the same kind of weapons. So people kind of you know pointed out all oh, the secondary got exposed last week. It didn't. Tom Brady is good. Um, this is a whole different story. So don't get too confident about rolling out injection receivers. And as for Chenault, why he struggled last week, it was real obvious and real easy for me. He didn't play in the slot. He played on the outside. Most of his snaps came on the outside. That's why he didn't get any targets. And he became yeah. basically he's not a great route runner. He's not a guy who can kind of necessarily get open, and his role in that offense is very limited if he's going to be in the outside. So if you have Jamal Agnew continue to be the slot receiver, which he played dominant most of the slot um, snaps last week, then you're going to have an issue with the rest of Chenault, and you're not going to get production out of him. Marvin Jones is, is, question, is interesting to me because I talked about this in the BFL show on Tuesday, that he's actually facing one-on-one the top corners. He's facing game plans, actually, as a tr- true number one receiver. And where he is in the state of his career, he might have struggled with that because he's not used to kind of getting that attention. Against the second corner on a different team, he can do exposed and his way of kind of being really productive at the beginning of the season. As the top option and team actually game plan for you, it's going to be interesting to see this is going to be an ongoing thing for Marvin Jones, and maybe he can't produce when he has that kind of bullseye on his back. We'll have to see. 
this is one of those situations where I still ultimately believe in process over result from last week. The process is Marvin Jones should be the number one targeted guy. The Chenault thing, I agree with you. If he's not playing the slot receiver, he's a different receiver. Tavon Austin's play on the outside before. I don't want to give Urban Meyer too much credit, but I would have to think, logically speaking, you move him back into the slot position where you can actually utilize him as the weapon that he's meant to be, that you want him to be, especially since you lost Travis Etienne. Again, I don't want to give Urban Meyer too much credit, but I look at the last, last week as more of a fluke when it comes to that than something that we actually have to worry about on a consistent basis. If that happens again this week, then we'll have to adjust accordingly. Chris, I got a, a question to coming in live here from one of the viewers on Twitch, actually. BTG7471 asks, a really tough spot in a deep 16-team league, so you know it's not going to be a great option. Second flex spot, Deshaun Jackson or Josh Gordon? I think you got to play Deshaun Jackson in that situation. I agree. And that's what I commented back to him on Twitch as well. I mean, look, Josh Gordon played two snaps and had one target last week. At least with Deshaun, they mix in a big play to him here and there. Uh, that That's what you have to go off of. But thank you for commenting into the show uh, for sure. And guys, we'll have live. If you guys want to type, you know, type in live, I know the things with Twitter and StreamYard right now are a little weird. Um, if you're not getting through on Twitter, Hit us up on YouTube, on the MD's Face Football Show channel, or on Facebook, or on Twitch. We're seeing all of those just fine. Hopefully, StreamYard and Twitter will get their acts together, and we'll be able to have more access to MD Nation soon coming up. Uh, James Robinson, I don't think we have to talk too much about him. He's my RB9 on the week. He is an RB1. Teams have been successful running the football in the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, hopefully they did. Jacksonville doesn't get stupid with us and try to get cute again with Carlos Hyde mixing them in. It should be James Robinson. The Dolphins are future versus the runs this entire season. So she should have James Robinson in your, in your lineups with confidence. I was going to comment real quick on the Dan Arnold points that you said. I'm not, I have not been a big Dan Arnold fan for the last three or four years now because it was New Orleans, he was the savior. Arizona, he was the savior. Carolina, he was the savior. And I was like, this guy's not that good. But where he is, the fit he is for Jacksonville, he is a great steal right now for people to get their hang, hands on. He's going to be productive in that offense. He's going to get a lot of volume. Yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a big Dan Arnold. I think he's overblown as far as what he actually brings to the table from a talent situation. But that, again, the targets are going to be there. I don't think they're going away. So we're 100% on the same page. And, yeah, while they did get cute with Carlos Hyde, at least James Robinson still wound up with dominating the touches. It's just the situational football was idiotic, to say the least. Uh, but yeah, hopefully that doesn't continue. This line, not that I'm going to bet this game. Well, maybe I will. Uh, minus three and a half for the Dolphins at even money, by the way. Uh, the over-under set at 47. I'll take Dolphins minus three and a half with two attack Laveau coming back against Jacksonville. I 100% agree. I think this is a get-right game for the Dolphins. People are going to be impressed after this week how they, they handle Jacksonville, I think. So I definitely I think, think nothing else. That line is just disrespecting Tua as a core. I mean, he... he just the fact that he's coming back, this Dolphins team is better with him. They're better with him. And you're not playing Tampa Bay and you're not playing Buffalo. I think this is a huge difference where the Dolphins have been getting blown out is against top-notch competition. And they have a game like the New England game where they were close, which Tua was there and he won the last one they had. They're much more competitive against teams that are, aren't as good. Jacksonville's not a very good team facing a, a pretty much more talented team overall. Yeah, uh, to say the least. All right, let's move into Green Bay and Chicago. The rivalry. I don't feel like it's been much of a rivalry, especially you know, Green Bay. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know how much a rivalry it is at that point. But uh, nonetheless, fantasy football-wise, we got to love it. Aaron Rodgers, my QB7. I know he's been 
You know, I think he's QB 18 actually on the season thus far, even disappointing from a fantasy perspective. But Rodgers and Devontae Adams, they light it up against Chicago every single year. I don't see why it'd be different this year, especially in Adams' case where he's – I mean, we talk about a target hog. He's on a whole other level this season. He's on, his, he's on pace for over 200 targets right now. It's ridiculous what's going on between him and Aaron Rodgers at the moment. He's my wide receiver one. Not much to say there. Chris, Rodgers, not much to say about Adams. Talk about Rodgers a little bit. Are you worried about him consistently being a QB1 this season? No, I'm not. I think the problem right now is kind of the game flow they've been they've been dealing with in a lot of senses, where they've been getting up on teams and they're able to kind of utilize their running backs a lot more. And the Green Bay is also not really much playing with any much pace. They're playing with the most slower paces they've ever have, especially with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback. It is mind-boggling. That's my only concern for this game in general, honestly, because both Chicago and Green Bay play at snail paces. You might not get a whole lot of plays in this game. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers, part of why he didn't have great stats last week or the biggest stats he could have had last week was because Cincinnati plays at snail pace. So it's kind of odd that these teams that have to go offenses, particularly Cincinnati and Green Bay, are playing really slow. This is going to be – that could be his only detriment is they're not going to open it up and pick up some pace. You're going to see a lot of games where they're scoring, but they're not scoring enough to kind of give them the numbers you're looking for. Well, yeah, you see a lot of games where he's putting up 240 yards and two touchdowns, and from a fantasy perspective, it's, it's not going to kill you, but it's not really helping you either at the same time. Uh, let's talk about something else. Everyone's freaking out about Aaron Jones because A.J. Dillon's now been involved two weeks in a row. It wasn't just the game flow last week. And then Matt LaFleur makes his comment of, I wish I had Dillon even more involved in the passing game than what he was last week. I said this on the recap show on uh, Monday. I said, look, Am I worried about Aaron Jones in the sense of I'm not going to have a top five weekly expectation for him? Yes. Am I, but this whole let's sell off Aaron Jones mantra that's going on right now amongst the fantasy industry, I'm not worried about him not continuing to be an RB1, just might not be in the top five. Where are you at on Aaron Jones in the AJ Dillon situation? Yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think that there's a little too much left for Aaron Jones as a guy who's going to be consistently finishing the top five. That probably wasn't realistically going to happen anyway. But what he was last year was an RB1 with splitting a lot of time with Jamal Williams. And that's the worst and case scenario. He top five last year, BTW. Exactly. Yeah, and so that's the worst case scenario, basically, you're, you're, you're faced with. So week in, week out, you're going to have a couple games here or there where you get a little bit annoyed because maybe you didn't get as many touches as you were hoping for. You didn't have quite the upside you are hoping for. But most game in, game out, it's going to be very productive overall. And he's going to wind up having one of the better stats at the end of the season again. There's no reason to get panicky about Aaron Jones. I think this guy's still going to be the best guy you can have. You're not really going to find any upgrades out there trading for Aaron Jones for. So I think you have an opportunity where maybe you're not going to bank on him finishing top five every week, but you're still going to bank on him being an RB1 every week. This reminds me a lot of last week when you had – Everybody was freaking out about Nick Chubb because Kareem Hunt was getting all the touchdowns. So everybody's freaking out about that. And what happened? And not this past week, but last week, what happened? Nick Chubb had 21 carries and 100 yards, and everybody's still freaking out. Aaron Jones still went for 100 yards this week. So if AJ Dillon, who was involved as he was, and he still went over 100 yards, and that's his floor play, I think you're going to be okay. Now, yeah, if you could package together a deal because the guy's on by, I've seen I've seen this question come up a little bit. Uh, we can package like Aaron Jones and something for an Alvin Kamara. Okay, fine. Yeah, sure. But unless you're getting that, I'm not selling off Aaron Jones for anything. So everybody needs to calm down and relax. I got another question here uh, from BTG. He wants to comment it again. He said, are you expecting, 
This is a good question, actually. Are you expecting an Allen Robinson rebound at some point with Justin Fields? I'm at the point where I can't really sell him for anything. No, you can't sell Allen Robinson for anything right now, unfortunately. But, Chris, do you expect an Allen Robinson rebound? I do. This guy is simply too talented. And I do trust that Bill Lazor is eventually going to get him more involved in this offense. Right now, they're kind of playing to win. And I think as a result, they're playing very slow football. They're a really slow-paced team. And they're running the ball as much as they can. But at some point, they're going to fall behind all of probably this week versus the Green Bay team. Then you're going to see Allen Robinson be more involved. The, the, basically, the reason he's not being productive since the Lazers took him over is because of the game script. They're up by double digits, and they're, they're trying to take the air out of the ball and try not to you know, lose the game, basically. I think at some point, the Chicago team's not that good, so they're going to be, be trailing a lot more games moving forward. And you're going to see Allen Robinson be the beneficiary of that. Yeah, I'm 100% in agreement with you. While everyone's been making a big deal about Bill Lazor trying to make this a run first team, we'll talk about Chicago in a minute, I know, but trying to make this a run first team, they're not always going to be able to be a run first team against everybody they play. In fact, I don't think they're going to be able to run first team against Green Bay this particular upcoming week. So Allen Robinson's actually going to be a borderline wide receiver three for me. And we'll talk about no, that. In not a even the Ravens run the six, not even the Ravens in their heyday ran the ball 65% of the time like Chicago right. is right now. Exactly. So that's that, that, That's where we talk about regression a lot of times. There's going to be some progression for Chicago in that passing game moving forward. And there's Allen Robinson himself. He actually didn't practice today. Uh, I will I will mention that. We still got to wait till tomorrow to get more clarification because this was a brand new injury that hadn't been reported until this point. So he might have been just getting the day off. We don't know yet. Uh, but he's too good of a receiver to continue to be not utilized in this way. And He's still the, I equate it to the Robert Woods situation a lot. The difference is that Darnell Moody's not Cooper Cup. So this thing's going to rewrite itself, I think, sooner rather than later, especially when game strips start to come in that don't favor them being able to run. Exactly, because he's still getting a good share of the target share. I mean, if you look at the numbers, none of the receivers are blowing them out. It's not Mooney's going crazy or Cole Clement's going crazy. It says nobody's going crazy in the passing game right now. Al Robinson's also suffering along with everybody else, but he's still one amongst week in, week out, their target leaders. Yeah, 100% agreement on you. I just want to take a touch on this. Aaron Jones is my RB11 this week. A.J. Dillon is my RB30. I do have him as a potential flex, but again, you have four teams on by this week. That's part of it. Chicago, you can move the ball on the ground with the running backs, whether it's through the air. If he's going to get 12 touches in a game, he is going to be a flex RB3, I believe, for the for me in this matchup. Is there anything about that you have to say? I 100% agree. And we talked about kind of the passing game in Green Bay and Devontae Adams getting so many targets. big part of that is because none of the receivers really stepped up and there has Robert Tanyan. Yeah, so good. these running backs are basically the reason or the second part of this passing game in a lot of ways is Devontae Adams or the running backs. So there's no reason I can't continue. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. So now let's dive into Chicago. So we talked about Alan Robinson is my wide receiver 32. I do him as a wide receiver 3. You got to love the match. No Jared Alexander on a, on a, was already a terrible Green Bay defense. It's just continuing to get worse. Again, expect a game script. I don't think Chicago's going to be able to sit there and just run the ball all day long every day, which goes to this point. Damian Williams, a lot of talk this week. Khalil Herbert out-snapped him, out-carried him. You know, Damian Williams does still have a good fantasy day, but now it's like, oh, man, you just spent all this fad budget. You spent all this priority trying to get Damian Williams. It was, was it Khalil Herbert you're supposed to have the entire time? Look, there will be a timeshare between these two guys, but Damian Williams will always be my running back that I have ranked ahead of Herbert. Why? He's a zero in the passing game. Williams is going to get all the passing game work. We just talked about how we expect game scripts to change, and why we, that's why we think Allen Robinson might turn the corner. We expect game scripts to change for Chicago moving forward. They have to throw the ball more. 
that's going to favor Damian Williams. So for me, Williams comes in here as my RB17. He's a mid-level RB2. Herbert, though, is just outside my top 36 at RB37 for a week. So you can mull over him being a flex uh, flex play just because how bad Green Bay is against the running game. And I do like Khalil Herbert quite a bit, by the way. I had him on a few dynasty leagues. That's kind of nice to see him be able to perform already. But Damian Williams, I am not worried about what you got him to be. You got him to be an RB2. Because of his involvement in the passing game, that doesn't change this week or any other week until David Montgomery comes back. Yeah, you make an excellent point. I think people must have had stupid expectations what they're going to get out of Damian Williams. Because <laughs> you're not going to get 25, 30 touches from this guy. Like no, I don't know what people were thinking was going to happen. So when the team runs the ball 35 times, guess what? Somebody else is going to get some carries. That's how it's going to work. Don't worry about the time. Look at the neutral play. When Chicago was was within when three points or trailing in that game, it was Damian Williams the guy was out there. Cole Herbert was a closer kind of in a lot of ways, but once they got up, then they started getting most of his touches. So that's why they ran the ball out with them. But like, as I pointed out, though, Damian Williams is not going to be out there getting the ball 25, 30 times. So people need to chill out and realize that you got an RB2 in your hand, works a flex play. Don't don't get it twisted. You're still good where you have. Darnell Mooney is a boomer bust wide receiver four for me. I'll just add that in there too. They have been taking deep shots to Darnell Mooney. He will have some big play potential in this. Would you have him any higher than that, Chris, or any lower? No, I might have him even a little lower. I, I think Mooney has opportunity to have good games here or there. But I think there's a lot of other matchups that you might be able to find better matchups with in this week than having a, a Darnell Mooney in your lineup. Uh, I'm trying to find the uh, the line on this. The, the the sports book here. First of all, when we do sports book, we use my bookie. Uh, they are the official sports book of the MD's fantasy football show. Make sure you go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code MD fantasy, and you'll be able to double your deposit. You're going to hear more about that uh, in just a minute. And I'll pull up the line now. It's minus four and a half Green Bay road favorites. The over under set at 44 and a half. I'm not touching that over under. We just talked about the slow pace of play. This might be a low scoring game. Uh, where are you at on the minus four and a half? For Green Bay versus Chicago, I bet I bet on Green Bay and I bet on the over that they're going to be by more than four and a half points. I do think if you're going to bet Green Bay at minus four and a half, you should bet the over because that, they will probably have to put up some points in order to make, reach that. I think there's a decent chance Green Bay could put up 30 points in this game, given how Chicago's defense has played, even with the slower pace of play. Uh, but I'm going to just stick with myself the minus four and a half on Green Bay in this one. Chicago, just they have they have to prove a lot more throwing the football with Justin Fields before I can buy into their offense being able to keep pace with really anybody, although this would be the game for them to do it. What we're going to do right now is take a quick break, come back on the other side. We still have more games to preview for the early Sunday slates. So we'll be back on the MD's Fantasy Football Show with you guys right after this. The NFL is back in action, and so is winning season at MyBookie. With over $500,000 in contest prize money, winning season makes the big games better and the victories even sweeter. Head to MyBookie.ag and choose from a variety of boosts, contests, and promotions up for grabs, highlighted by the crown jewel of winning season, the famed MyBookie Super Contest. And it only costs $10 to enter. Pick five games against the spread each week. Each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. If you missed out on week one, don't even sweat it because entries are still open, and all it takes is one solid week to get you back in the mix. Don't just take my word for it. Join now and start your winning season with MyBookie today. In order to get you started, make your first deposit at MyBookie.ag and use promo code MDFANTASY to instantly receive double your deposit. That's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using promo code 
code MBFANTASY. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. Welcome back into the show, MD Nation, on this wonderful Wednesday night. Listening and watching to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at BellyUpMDFFShow. And of course, subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel whenever you get the chance. Always check us out on your favorite pod streaming app. We're available to you on iHeart, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, anywhere you like to go to get your pod streaming apps at. And of course, our unhinged radio network, by the way, I haven't mentioned this, that didn't change at all. We will be back 6 to 7.30 on Thursday on the unhinged sn.airtime.pro leading you into the Thursday night game before we're back on again for the Thursday night show at 8.30. We're just content, content, content. I love it. Every little bit of it. Just putting it out there. I'm Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhauer talking about the early slate of games for week six. Chris, can you believe it's week six already? That hit me the other day. I was like, we're already six weeks into the football season. I know it's crazy. Once this kicks, it, wait, it seems forever to get here, but once it starts, it's like it speeds straight through. Flies, flies, flies. Uh, talk about flying high. Cincinnati Bengals, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow. Woo-hoo-hoo. I like him again this week. FYI, uh, Burrow is my QB 11. No throat, no problem. He's got this thing under control. Not worried about that at all. And Jamar Chase coming in as a wide receiver one for me. He's wide receiver 10 on the week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Here's the thing about Chase, and everyone's going to have this counter-argument, right, with Detroit. Like, on one hand, you love the matchup with Detroit. It's salivating. On the other hand, it's like, can Detroit do enough to stay competitive to make you actually put your foot on the gas? My point is this. I have a couple points to that. My point is this mainly, though. Jamar Chase just takes everything to the house. So all you need is one play. It doesn't really matter. And then my second point to that is Detroit has managed to stay competitive enough in every single game they've been in. I don't think this game's going to be any different where offenses do still have to stay aggressive. So not only do I like Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow as you know QB1s and wide receiver ones, and that should come as no surprise, T. Higgins, my wide receiver 31, who I do think has more potential than that heading into this matchup, got his legs back under him, automatically went right ahead of Tyler Boyd again, his first game back, got his usual target share against Detroit. I like T. Higgins as a wide receiver three with upside this week. Yeah, I think in standard leagues, you can definitely start Higgins and Chase with confidence. And in PPR, I guess they're all three of the receivers with pretty much confidence. I think this Detroit secondary is horrible. It's been banged up all season long. You can light them up. You talked about kind of the pace and be getting up too much. You know, Detroit, one of the great things about them is they've been top five in pace all season long. They want to continue to get plays out there on the offense, which is going to give the opportunity for Cincinnati to get the ball back and more opportunities to score. So there, I do think you're going to see the running backs be successful in this game but I think the receivers are going to eat all day long 
And I expect Joe Burrow to have a big game. I expect all three receivers to have pretty good games. I disagree with you on Tyler Boyd. I, I don't expect Tyler Boyd to have a big game. He comes in at wide receiver. He's a wide receiver five for me, so I don't have him as somebody that I'm, I'm considering playing. E- even in PPR leagues, if T. Higgins and Jamar Chase are both out there, he doesn't get the consistent target share he needs. There's no guarantee he gets more than five targets in any particular matchup, even this one against Detroit. So I'm, di- I'm in disagreement with you. I'm not on Tyler Boyd this week. If you can bench him, that, that would be my advice to you. I mean, you still have four catches last week, and I still think that you're going to see even more volume. It's not They're not playing Green Bay, who, it, like I talked about, has a very slow pace. Detroit loves to get lots of plays out there and keep, kind of keeps that opening flying game through the entire game. And because they usually keep it tight, the team is to kind of continue to move the ball. In Detroit, I like all three receivers. I'm going to stick to my guns. Okay, okay. Tyler Boyd's a sit. Chris, he's going to start for him. We'll see who's right next week when we come back on the show again next Wednesday night. Uh, I One guy I think we are in agreement on, or one of the guys I think we are in agreement on, uh, Joe Mixon, are my RB10 this week. Here's what I love. Samaja Perine, he tests, well, not that I love that he tested for COVID-19. Don't get me twisted. I, I hope he's okay. But he did test positive for him. With him out of the way, I do love that for Joe Mixon because Joe Mixon has been kind of not getting the passing work the last couple of weeks. I also want to point this out too. I've been hearing some like talk of like people are like, oh, you know, buy low on Joe Mixon after last week. If you're selling Joe Mixon on a game in which he shouldn't even been active for and still managed to score a touchdown on a limited snap count, you're an idiot. Okay. There's no reason to be selling low on a Joe Mixon if that's really what's going on right now. I've heard that in a few places. It doesn't make any sense to me. You knew he was going to be limited in that game. He shouldn't even been activated for the game. The fact he looked good on that touchdown run that he did have in that game should have told you all you need to know about this week upcoming where he did practice today in a limited capacity, but he did practice today. And with Perrine out of the way, they might lean on him a little bit more in the past game than he had since week one. And that, therefore, I think he's an RB10 and sky's the limit for him. I wouldn't be surprised if he has the potential to finish in the top five this week. Yeah, to me, it depends on how healthy he is. If he's healthy, right. 100% healthy, then I think this guy's going to have a great game. If he's still kind of a bit banged up, you might see more Chris Evans than you want to see. But regardless, I think Joe Mixon has a hell of a floor this week because of Detroit defense. He's got an opportunity to score at least a touchdown. I think he had a big time for the yardage as well, as long as he's out there playing. I love the fact that he practiced today because even though it was in a limited capacity, what that tells me is that there was no setback had on Sunday. Otherwise, he wouldn't have been practicing at all today. No, this, isn't a, this isn't like Dalvin Cook where you saw Dalvin Cook still yeah. looked like he didn't have anything when he was out there that one game. You saw Joe Mixon have a nice run and like he talked about the touchdown. He didn't look hurt to me. He looked pretty spry and pretty quick. If that's what we're going to see on Sunday, then you're going to be just fine. Yeah, 100% agree. On the flip side, we go to Detroit. I think we know at this point, look, Swift is a high-end RB2, low-end RB1, at least as far as your expectations every week. He's still you know, an RB1 as far as where he's been at the, on the season thus far to this point. He continues to dominate the snap count, but he also the big thing is he continues to dominate the passing game. As long as that continues to be the case, he'll always have a high floor because of the way Detroit is just going to have to play in these ballgames, which is consistently having to come back from behind. Is it annoying to see Jamal Williams lead the way on carries? Yes. Am I worried about it? No, because unlike certain other committee situations, it's not that Swift gets the passing game work but isn't allowed to get touches in the red zone to score a touchdown. No, he does. So because of that, I think you're always going to be fine with DeAndre Swift. He's my RB14 this week. Jamal Williams is RB29. You can consider him a medium to high floor flex play if you need to this week, depending on what's available to you. What I think we need to dive into more so is TJ Hodson. Now, I still have him as tight end four. 
The targets, the routes run, they are all still there. He's dealing with a knee injury. I don't know if he's 100% right now. He didn't practice today. Are you concerned at all about TJ Hawkinson, who is somebody's come up quite a bit in conversations of selling low on, which we never want people to do, but is coming up in that conversation? Yeah, I wouldn't sell low on him. I think what you're coming into is a kind of mixture of factors. I think he is banged up. You do see teams kind of making more a priority to try to take him away. But the other biggest part is he has to stay in the block more often. While he's still leading the tight ends and routes run, he's not getting as many routes as opportunity to get out there because the offensive line is banged up. Sewell's been struggling the last couple of weeks. You saw them lose their right. To, uh, they lost Decker um, for about a month now. And since that kind of happened and unfolded, you're seeing him have to stay in and kind of pass protect more and kind of block but more, all like a George Kittle. And that's going to limit how much productive you can do. So if you're a little banged up and you're blocking more often and the team's trying to take, away, take, away, take you away, I think you're really going to struggle like he has the last couple of weeks. But I think it's only inevitably that he gets kind of back on track. And then with a tight end, such a such a thin position as it is, if you have TJ Hawkinson on your team, you don't want to get rid of him. I think it's just going to be dumb. Yeah, he's a top five tight end. The rest, it'll get better from here. We do have a comment coming in on Facebook from a one Mr. Todd Corson. He is asking, in a 12-man league, would you start T. Higgins or Chase Claypool? I actually have Chase Claypool ranked at 27, T. Higgins at 31, so I would lean more towards Claypool this week. But it is going to be close. Where are you at, Chris? Yeah, I probably lean a little bit more towards Claypool as well, but it is going to be close because you have pretty much the same kind of opportunity for both these guys to have touchdowns, red zone, and be able to be effective and have pretty consistent volume. So I think it's pretty close, but I probably lean a little bit towards Chase Claypool. Yeah, it's it's the game in Seattle. I think it's just going to be a little bit more competitive, a little bit more high-paced both ends. And Claypool, with no Juju Smith-Schuster anymore, I mean, sky's really the limit as far as the target consolidation goes for Deontay Johnson and they chase Claypool, a team that throws the ball even more than Cincinnati does. Well, I think that's, I think that's the key. I think Ben's gonna Ben chucks it more than Joe Burrow does. Joe Burrow's been very efficient this year, but he has been throwing the ball forty times like he was last year. So that's where you're gonna see kind of the difference in volume. That's that's why Claypool's more of a safer play. Yeah, I'm in a total agreement with you there. Uh, I do have Amon Ross St. Brown for the Detroit game as a sleeper wide receiver he's my wide receiver 42 on the week he's a wide receiver four but he's in that range of flex guys no Quintez Cephas we don't know yet if Tyrell Williams is going to be able to make this game or not he is eligible to come off of IR still remains to be seen though if then he would only stay 42 if Williams is out so assuming Williams is out where are you at on St. Brown especially since he's been coming on a little bit stronger now over the past couple of weeks the only things I would play him in is in PPR leagues Anything outside that? Well, we're I think talking about half-point PPR leagues when we, when we talk about this. Yeah, so half-point PPR, I'd probably say no. I try. I think there's still better options because he still doesn't score. doesn't have any big play potential. But in full-point PPR, I think that's where he has his value. I tend to agree with I tend to agree with you there, but is a bit of a sleeper guy depending on what you have available to you. Uh, as we look at the gambling side of things for this game between Detroit and Cincinnati, what we have for you guys here is a game that I don't necessarily want to touch, but <laughs> uh, so you got Cincinnati minus three and a half, another, a lot of road dogs this week. So usually that sets up for bad things for the, the public, um, but three and a half for Cincinnati. They are the better team. That does make sense. The over under set at 47. I think I wouldn't bet this game, but if I had to, I would take Cincinnati minus three and a half. I would definitely take Cincinnati three and a half in this game. I wouldn't bet that over or under on this game, but I think that Cincinnati is, is definitely going to win by more than three and a half points. 
And if Detroit's found ways to just keep these games within two, it makes me a little bit nervous. But I tend to agree that should be the bet on Cincinnati uh, for this matchup. So let's move into our next game here as we got the Houston Texans, the Indianapolis Colts. What used to be a divisional rival is not anymore. Uh, Houston, we only care about one guy. We care about Brandon Cooks. Now, Brandon Cooks is somebody who is a buy-low candidate for me heading into the week. I talked about on the recap show. We knew against the Bills, against the Patriots, he probably wasn't going to do as well. Now, I didn't expect Davis Mills to throw for 300 yards on the Patriots and for him to not do as well, but we know what the Patriots do. They take out your number one target, no matter who it is, no matter what the situation is. That's what they did there. The Bills are the number one defense in the NFL, They, but Davis Mills ran to a buzzsaw when he played them. Now you come back against the Colts. Everyone has been able to throw the ball on the Colts, especially the wide receivers have had particular success against the Colts. With the target volume share that he's seeing this week, he comes in at wide receiver 15 for me in half point PPR leagues. Yeah, I think you brought a great point about Brandon Cooks. It wasn't it has not been the fact that, you know, it's been more of a morality why he wasn't productive, particularly last week with the Patriots making conscious efforts to take him away. Having said that, this guy has been landing up in the slot. He's been lying below the field. And one thing we see the Colts have really struggled with guys who kind of move around, particularly in the slot. Marquise Brown had a great game this past Monday. I expect Brandon Cooks to have a similar, really similar type of game. There's no reason he shouldn't. As far as being a buy-low candidate goes, look at their schedule the rest of the way. There are a heck of a lot more favorable matchups than unfavorable for Cooks. And again, I think it is going to be pretty predictable because of the target share that he has on this team when you can and cannot play him. And I think there's going to be a lot more times where you can moving forward than when you can't. I'm going to feel particularly good about it when we get Tyrod Taylor back, hopefully in another week or so. But Brandon Cooks, that's why he's a buy low candidate for me coming off the two bad games before they really get into a nice stretch of games here coming up soon. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, you, like you talked about Tyrod coming back soon. Brandon Cooks, if you, some people are selling Brandon Cooks, you want to buy as quickly as possible. There's no reason people should be on leading Brandon Cooks right now. It just it doesn't make any sense. Go to Colts side. Carson Wentz is in the streaming territory for me. Still QB 15. He's outside my QB one. Had a nice game against the Ravens on Monday night. You're going up against Houston. That makes pretty much anybody a streamable quarterback this week. So he's in that conversation if you're looking for quarterbacks. I don't want to get too carried away on Carson Wentz. Jonathan Taylor is my RB7 this week. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Even if I'm a little bit concerned about one thing, I'm a little bit concerned because it's been clear that the Colts have been trying to showcase Marlon Mack to some degree, I think trade him. This would be an opportunity for them to do that a little bit more so. But as we've seen with John Taylor over the past couple of weeks, he's a big play machine. I'm not going to be too worried about that. It's the only thing I'd be a little bit concerned about, but I'm not gonna be too worried about that, especially not against Houston RB seven for me on the week. What's the rotation you think coming out of that backfield? Yeah, I love Jonathan Taylor this week. After the special what I just saw against the Ravens game, if they're going to continue to throw the ball to this guy, it doesn't matter if I try to showcase Marlon Mack or not. He just needs to make sure he gets his touches. And if he's going to get his touches, whether it's the running game or the passing game, he's going to be productive. So I think Jonathan Taylor has a fantastic smash matchup against Houston. 
If you have him, you're, you're definitely one of them. DFS leagues, I'd be having him in my lineup again, too, because he's going to have a great game this week. If you have him, you got to be happy as hell. He's finally returning value on your investment. I mean, this one of the reasons he was one of our busts because we didn't think he would be able to turn in top eight value every single week. And I still don't think that's going to be the case moving forward because his rotation, the running backs, still hasn't gone away. But you have the matchups now the last couple of weeks, and he's been getting a little bit more involved in the passing game. And he's been able to use his big playability that he's able to be a war B1 for you. So that's the one thing you have to be excited about. I was going to say, it actually benefits in the last couple of weeks where you, when they do try to use Marlon Mack, the guy who seems to suffer is Naheem Hines, and he gets no targets as a result. Jonathan Taylor becomes kind of that Leonard Fournette role in Tampa Bay where he gets the passing receptions. And if, as long as he's going to continue to get kind of those four to five catch, three to four catches opportunities and be able to continue to run the ball, he's going to be really effective. And I loved what I saw this offensive line last week against the Ravens. They were blowing him off the ball. And if you could blow the Ravens off the ball, particularly when they have Williams healthy, you can run against anybody. Yeah, they're, they're playing a lot better, and that's always the big key. I do wonder with Naeem Hines if he's just a little bit banged up, not 100%, and that has more to do with it. So rest of the season, I expect him to get more involved. But uh, to your point, Jonathan Taylor's getting more involved in the passing game regardless, and that's what you like to see. Michael Pittman comes in at wide receiver 30 for me this week. Uh, Hilton is practicing. They still don't know if Hilton's going to play this week. Uh, I would still play Michael Pittman as a wide receiver 3 this week against Houston regardless, who has a little bit more upside. He's been very, very good. He's been getting the target share. He's getting the volume. And I definitely would not play Hilton even if he's active. The only thing I'd be concerned about moving forward is how much does Hilton take away from Pittman's volume? I think he's actually going to wind up helping him. I think similar to the Marvin Jones situation where if you can key on one guy, it's easier to take them away. I think when you can't key on Pittman and he's facing more and more second corners, he's going to be extremely productive. And I think Carson Wentz clearly likes him as his receiver. He likes to go to him and becoming more and more comfortable looking for him. I think this guy's the limit for this guy. I think he, even when T.Y. comes back, I think it actually helps him because it helps somebody kind of takes away some of the safety safeties underneath and, and kind of paying attention to him in a sense. I think he's gonna be, he can beat one-on-ones all day. He's been taking this opportunity to become the wide receiver one of that team, and I think that has been a big key. And to your point, I tend to agree with you. The fact that you'll have T.Y. Hilton and he'll take the safety help out of there for Michael Pittman might actually benefit him and benefit this offense in a whole. Uh, I think the Colts offense has a chance to get a lot better than what we've seen thus far trending in that right direction, especially with the Hilton coming back, even if he's just there to be a deep field threat, a decoy of, so, of sorts, and, and nothing more. Uh, trying to find a line on this game between the Colts and the Houston Texans. Why don't they put this thing in order? Here we go. We got the Colts minus 10 over Houston, over under set at 43. I'm actually going to take the over. I, I don't think it's going to be that low scoring. Uh, Colts minus 10. Where are you at? I think it's a pretty good number. I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily bet on either one thing. I don't think anything is locked for me. I do think the Colts are going to win this game. I think it could be a little bit closer. 10 is a pretty good number. I don't have the over and under because I think it's going to be a fairly low scoring game overall. Um, but I will tell you that one guy I do like in this game that we didn't talk about is Moelle Cox. Texans are horrible versus tight end position and have been lit up left and right. In the last two weeks, you actually see Moelle Cox get targeted in the passing game. We know historically Carson Wentz is good with tight ends. Uh, I like the call. I like the call. A little sleeper tight end for you guys, especially heading into a bye week. Let's talk about the Rams and the Giants. Let's start this thing on the Giants side of the ball because that what they look like is going to really dictate how this game is going to go, I think. We don't know about Daniel Jones. Joe Judge is, you know, he's trying to say all the right things. He's progressing well, but he didn't practice today. Now we know what that means. He's got to practice tomorrow. If he doesn't practice tomorrow in a limited capacity, I don't think he's going to be cleared for Sunday. So that's first and foremost. Then 
You have probably no Saquon Barkley, definitely no Kenny Galladay. You have Kadarius Tony hurt, but going to play. Sterling Shepard returning. Darius Slayton returning. Devontae Booker's a starter. This whole, this whole team is just in complete flux right now. But I think here's the overall point. If Daniel Jones plays, then we could talk about these wide receivers. We could talk about Booker being having some fantasy value. If he does not play, I am not touching this team with a 10-foot pole with Mike Lennon against the Los Angeles Rams. So I'm going to put that out there right away. Now, so let's do our analysis as if Daniel Jones is going to play because that's a little bit more compelling. Uh, Sterling Shepard, he's a wide receiver three for me. He's wide receiver 33. I want to make this point very, very crystal clear for everybody out there because we have the whole Kadarius Tony fiasco going on right now, and I'm bugging out about it a little bit. Okay, so he made my waiver wire list because he had to. However, I need people to realize something. He was, by default, the only guy to throw the ball to. A lot of times, when you're the only guy to throw the ball to, you can still put up good numbers, regardless of your actual role in the offense when everybody else is healthy, regardless of where you're at as far as a being a complete wide receiver. Because all of a sudden, I'm hearing he's a complete route runner, which I don't, I don't know how that happened overnight. But apparently, after one game, that's what he's become. Oh, and oh, I keep hearing, oh, he matched out against Diggs, and he beat out Diggs on a couple of routes. As we come to find out, Diggs suffered an ankle injury early on in that game, was never 100%. Throughout the matchup, had a lot to do with why he was so wide open and never really covered. I went back and watched that game. It wasn't just good. Kadarius Tony had a good game, and I'm not trying to take that away from him, but he wasn't shaking people out of his boots to the point he was nobody was in the screen when he was catching the ball, which is what was happening quite a bit throughout that matchup because the Dallas Cowboys were playing prevent defense the entire second half, which is when he racked up the points to begin with. All right, so now that I got that off my chest because everyone was crowned Kadarius Tony as the next up-and-coming wide receiver who's going to be the wide receiver four once everybody on the Giants is healthy. I just want to throw that out there. The only best-case possible scenario he has is that he winds up splitting time and maybe overtaking Darius Slayton. But if Shepard's out there and Galladay's out there, Shepard gets to play the slot. So if Tony's going to line up on the outside, he'll be the guy forgotten about. Ding, ding, ding. Shepard, the slot receiver, is the number one target of Daniel Jones, whoever's in that position, but especially when Shepard's out there on the field. So Shepard is the most valuable Giants wide receiver moving forward, not Kadarius Tony. All right, Chris, I need a breath. You can take it from there. All right, so you might get mad at me on this one because I have definitely a different take than you do when it comes oh. to this Giants team. Oh. Um, number one, I'm not, I talked about this on BFL on Tuesday night, and I'm not afraid of Mike Glennon being the quarterback. I actually think it's going to benefit certain guys if he is. He will chuck the ball. He did in Jacksonville last year. That's how you know who Colin Johnson even is. He has how a lot of different receivers have production for Jacksonville towards the end of the season last year. The guy has no fear when it comes to throwing the ball down the field. And you saw a big recipient of that was Cortavius Tony this past week. I think Darius Slayton, if he's out there, is a great play. I don't think he's a bad play if Glennon plays. Now, I don't like him if it's Daniel Jones the quarterback, but I do like Slayton if it's Mike Glennon the quarterback. The whole Tony thing, where I don't disagree with you that I think he's a great route runner all of a sudden. I do think that there was a lot of the circumstances that led to him having an opportunity he did. A big part of that was that Diggs was hurt. The other big part of that is Dallas' rest of secondary sucks. So you're beating out Jordan Lewis, who's been beat out by everybody he's faced recently this entire season. No surprise. Um, and the week before the New Orleans game, he basically had a nice little stretch towards the end of the fourth quarter where New Orleans is basically self-imploded. Having said all that, the problem where I have some fear why he's not going to go away is because everything I've been hearing is that they plan on putting Tony in the slot and Shepard on the outside. So to me, that makes Shepard one of the least valuable guys having moving forward because I don't think Shepard's a good receiver on the outside. 
And Tony will become that guy, that, that safety blanket a la for Daniel Jones, who does love to throw slot receivers. So it does kind of give him some opportunity moving forward. If that winds up being the case, I don't disagree with you if Tony is the slot receiver. Again, for me, the ultimate point is this. Whoever's the slot receiver of the Giants is the number one receiver you want to have. Period. And that's why Kenny Galladay is getting killed for fantasy football purposes right now. I don't believe it's going to continue to be Tony. Jason Garrett tends to stick with his veterans. And on top of it, I got to see if Joe Judge isn't going to put with now that he knows he's probably going to have Slayton and Shepard back and he's not going to be totally decimated at the wide receiver position heading into this week. I got to see if Joe Judge isn't going to put him in a rookie doghouse of sorts after punching a guy at the end of the game last week when Joe Judge clearly visibly way pissed off. Just to say it in the nicest way I possibly can. I wouldn't uh, be surprised think, knowing who Joe Judge is if Kadarius Tony winds up losing playing time this week as a result of that. There's a good chance that happens, but don't also don't be too excited about Tony if he does stay in the slot this week because guess what? He'll face a lot of Jalen Ramsey as a result of that. Well, we'll I was going to bring that up guy. too. You got Jalen Ramsey playing the star position, so whoever is a slot receiver, they're going to get the Ramsey coverage on top of it. Tony will get eaten for lunch if that winds up being the case. Now, having said all that, Kadarius Tony's a wide receiver 41, so that makes him a flex play of sorts in, in certain leagues uh so he is a possibility there so while i hate Kadarius tony as you could all tell or at least i'm not as high on him as everybody else is after one good game uh he is somebody who's still in that conversation for me but sterling shepherd should be the most valuable wide receiver in my book heading into this week at wide receiver 33 especially if daniel jones is out there here's what i will say i i agree with you shepherd's not as good if he's on the outside but even when he was on the outside, he was still Daniel Jones's number one target throughout the years. So I'm just going to be kind of curious to see if Jones is the one out there, if he decides to go to Shepard regardless or not. As far as Barkley goes, Devontae Booker is my RB21 by default. We saw last week he'll get all the volume, so he'll have a chance to score a touchdown, he'll have a chance to have a floor in half-point PBR leagues with the, with the pass catching and whatnot. But again, if Jones doesn't play, I'm not with you on this. I, I think if Mike Glennon's out there, I think the Rams are going to destroy them. They're going to come in on a buzzsaw with them on defense. I, again, I would say even with in a situation where Devontae Booker might get all the volume, if it's Mike Glennon, I'm still going to stay away from them in this particular game. But if it is Daniel Jones, I do have him as an RB two. They could play based on volume. Well, that the running back position is very different from my book. That way I'm with you. Cause Daniel Jones just started his option, especially the RPO action. He's been using this whole entire season. I think benefits the running back position, particularly Devontae Booker is almost explosive guy in the first place. So I do think that if he's out there, it actually benefits Booker. Then Mike Lennon, if he's the quarterback, that actually is going to be a downgrade for Booker. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. So we're both on the same page as far as as far as that goes. And then as far as betting this game, uh... Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a whirl. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. 
go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. I would wait to build on this game until we know for sure who's going to play for the Giants, who doesn't. As it sits right now, it's minus nine and a half in favor of the Rams on the road going from west to east coast over under set at 48 and a half. If it's Mike Glennon, I'm jumping all over that line. If it's Daniel Jones, I think this could be a closer game because the Rams historically not great from going west to east coast. So I'm a little bit leery of this. I want to see who exactly plays in this matchup. Uh, for me, it's not really going to change a whole lot who I think is going to win. I think the Rams are going by double digits this game. Okay. We're going to hit a quick break, come back on the other side, wrap up the last four matchups that we have for you guys. we got a mailbag segment for you guys still, too. So make sure you stay tuned on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you tame that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in, MD Nation, to the show. You are listening and watching the MD's Fantasy Football Show, streaming to you live on social media at Show, and, of course, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show YouTube channel. Subscribe when you get the chance. Make sure you check us out after the show on your favorite pod streaming app, and we'll be back from 6 to 7.30 on Thursday, tomorrow, on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Joined here with Chris Dowhower going through the early slate of the Week 6 preview matchups. And now we got the Kansas City Chiefs and the Washington football team on the rocket docket. One of the better over-unders of the week. Mahomes is going to reevaluate himself, and I think he's going to reevaluate himself all the way to QB1 for the week against his putrid Washington defense. I don't think anybody could disagree. He's still QB1 or anything like that. Travis Kelsey, my tight end one. Nothing changes there. Tyree Kill, my wide receiver two. As far as Kelsey and, and Hill go, as far as the injury front, Hill has a minor knee sprain. He's expected to play. Kelsey has a minor stinger in his shoulder. He's also expected to play. So I think the real question is the running back situation. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, he goes on IR. And what kind of... What kind of rotation do you think is going to shake out between Darrell Williams and Jarek McKinnon? I have Williams at RB27, expecting the lead guy, of course. But I got McKinnon at RB41, borderline a flex play, because I think he is going to have a role in the passing game. I do think he handles it somewhat of the passing game. I don't think he's going to handle all of it. They do like Darrell Williams, particularly the pass protection on third downs. That's why he's always kind of played this entire season. And last year, you kind of saw a similar thing when Edwards Hilaire went out. You were able to kind of lay down Bell in the backfield. He became more of that kind of rotational guy, and he will still lean on Daryl Williams most of the time. So I think he's the guy you want to own. Um, I don't think that Jared McKinnon can't have a decent game. He looks pretty explosive. He looks pretty quick. He looks like he is a good player he was a couple of years ago. Having said that, 
the lack of volume concerns me. I don't know how much involved he's going to be really in this offense. So he has a chance to kind of pop up and be reached that 41. But he's not like, I'm trying to necessarily get to my lineup. No, I'm not begging them to get into the lineup, but I do think it's something to watch as we go into this week, the utilization that he does get. Because I, I do think it's a little bit curious if he's able to take on that role. Remember, before Edwards Hilaire even got hurt, McKinnon was actually starting to get rotated into that game. So it looked like it was already a preconceived game plan for that to happen, which makes it a little bit more curious going into this matchup. But Darrell Williams is the guy. He'll be utilized in the passing game. He'll be the main rusher. And the other thing about him is he'll be utilized in the red zone as well. So he's a safe RB3 for me this week. I think he does have RB2 upside, but RB27 for me this week. Because I think I do think this particular week might be all about the Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey getting on the right page show. Uh, I think there's a real chance for that to happen. On the Washington side of the ball, conversely, because Kansas City is so bad defensively as well, Taylor Hanicki is a top streaming option for me this week as he comes in at QB 13. Yeah, I mean, he's got a great matchup on paper. It seems to be everybody's kind of streamer of the week or the guy they kind of play. I, I'm really curious. He hasn't played that great. In fantasy, he's been pretty solid the last couple of weeks. But on for your eye test-wise, he's not playing really that great out there. So I am kind of curious to see you know, how much numbers he does put up. I think he's kind of a safer guy where you're going to have some definitely getting some volume because I think the Chiefs are going to score on this game. But he's not a guy I'm super thrilled about having in my lineup either. Um, I think he's a pretty good ranking right there with 13. is a pretty good one. Uh, I test wise, Jalen Hurts is one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, and that he's QB five in fantasy football. That's all that matters is the numbers. Sure. Taylor Hanicki, I think he's going to do nothing but throw, especially in the second half when they go down inevitably by two or three scores. I believe, uh, as results that we've seen him already this season, he puts up fantasy performances. So if you're looking for a streamer, I do like Taylor Hanicki uh, in this matchup. I particularly like. Terry McLaurin makes my top five receivers this week. Wide receiver four to be exact. No Kurt, at least I don't expect Curtis Samuel anyway. He didn't practice today after the setback. I doubt he'd be out there. Diami Brown trying to work his way back, but he's still a little bit banged up. This could be fully the Terry McLaurin show in a lovely, lovely matchup. Yeah, I love Terry McLaurin this week. I think you hit nail on the head. This guy's definitely one of the one players you definitely want to have in your lineup. You can produce it or receiver one potential. He's going to be great out there. I mean, this is a great matchup for him. Yeah, and Gibson's an RB12. Should be no should be no surprises there. He's an RB1 in this game. Uh, I'm still a little bit worried about him dealing with the shin injury that he is, but they still gave him 20 carries last week, so apparently it can't be hurting him too, too badly if they were able to give him that amount of touches. J.D. McKissick is an RB36 for me this week. Again, high-volume passing, a lot of two-minute drill offense. I do expect to be a little bit more involved than he has been the past couple of weeks, something close to what we saw in the Saints game. So I do think, especially in PPR, I don't know, half-point PPR wouldn't feel great about it. He is RB36 and half-point PPR, full-point PPR. I do think he can be a valuable flex play. But the guy I really want to talk about is the tight end, Ricky Seals-Jones. High target share last two weeks in a row without Logan Thomas. I think he might be the second pass catcher to Terry McLaurin in this matchup. He comes in for me at tight end 10 against the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I can't agree more. I, I brought this up on the VFL show as well. Ricky Seals-Jones is clearly the, the top red zone target. You see Haneke looking for him most of every time they get into the red zone, and you see him getting guys who's going to continue to get lots of targets. He's actually getting more targets than Logan Thomas was. So I think that's not going to go away. Um, you talk about the receivers being banged up. As long as that's a situation, and you have a guy who's basically 6-6, an easy guy to kind of see on the field, and he's going to continue to get lots of volume out there. Great matchup against the Chiefs. I think Ricky Seals-Jones is definitely in the top 10 this week. My lock bet of the week is the over 
It's 55 and a half of the over under. And my lock bet of the week is the over in this game. The line, by the way, is minus seven between the Chiefs and the Washington football team. I think they're all good numbers. I'm not really going to look to bet on that game necessarily. Oh, oh, you're missing out on the over-under, man. I'm telling you right now, missing out on that over-under. Let's talk about Minnesota and Carolina. Dalvin Cook did practice in a limited capacity today. Now, of course, he's going to be listed as questionable, but after last week, he wasn't able to practice really at all until Friday. Tried to be a game-time decision, couldn't go. The fact they have him back out there on a Wednesday practicing, I think he's trending in the right direction. I think he will play this week, and I do think he will be a full-go Dalvin Cook making the right decision last week to sit him and not put him in a situation to get re-injured. Yeah, I think that was one of the smarter things. I wish they would do the same thing with Joe Mixon in Cincinnati, but I think that was a really good pick by Dalvin Cook. Hopefully he should be 100% healthy this week. And you, as a fantasy owner for Dalvin Cook, you're it's what you want because you don't want to see him split carries Madison. And Madison was actually out of practice today too, so it's going to be interesting. Madison was out of practice today, yeah. So it trends even better in direction for Dalvin Cook. The fact that he was in practice too. Uh, Kirk Cousins is my QB fourteen, so he is in the streaming conversation this week. Justin Jefferson is my wide receiver nine. Adam Thielen, my wide receiver twenty six. Uh, the reason Thielen's dropping off from my wide receiver two status to now a high end wide receiver three is he's got to score a touchdown. Not that he. Definitely won't win against Carolina, but he has to score a touchdown. The volume's just not there. It's It's been the same song and dance for Adam Thielen the past couple of years. He doesn't score a touchdown. He finishes outside, usually, of the outside wide receiver threes because he doesn't really get a ton of volume otherwise. But I do have him as a wide receiver 26. I think he's got a good shot for that. And then Tyler Conklin comes in at a tight end 16 for me this week. So he's in the streaming conversation, but I think he can find better options. Where are you at on Cousins and the pass catchers? Yeah, I think that, you know, Cousins kind of returned to earth in some senses where he was playing like a quarter QB one from the beginning of the season is kind of settled back as a, an average quarterback. He's going to have that 270 yards, going to have two touchdowns. The one thing I'm really concerned about for Kirk Cousins owners and for the receiving core, Adam Thielen particularly, is they, they seem not to want to throw the ball even if they're successful with it. And Jeff, Josh Jefferson had over 100 yards going in the first half last, last week and was only targeted twice the rest of the game. So I'm not really sure what they're trying to do offensively necessarily sometimes. Um, they were trying to be too conservative in a lot of senses, and as a result of that, you had a good smash spots for some of these receivers to be even better, particularly and they only had two catches last week. I think it's going to be something you kind of want to monitor moving forward. Are they going to be really conservative so they have to protect that defense, so to speak, um, and not utilize their pass catchers and utilize their quarterback? Yeah, I think last week was uh, Mike Zimmer wanted to have one game where he got to call the offense. I think that's what uh, what that was last week. I don't think it's going to happen uh, too, much, too often in my own. Go ahead. And real quick, I, I just could like a word of advice. If I was anybody out there, I would try to avoid the Tyler Conklin and the KJ Osborne. That third weapon, talk about the volume just for the two receivers, that third receiver is really going to be a hit and miss every week. It's going to be really hard to ever peg with those guys. And you've even seen D.D. Westbrook play some even more and more for KJ Osborne. So as long as there's kind of a mix of different guys who are kind of being involved with that third option, I wouldn't necessarily want to have any of those guys. Yeah, outside of DFS, I don't know if I'm really looking at any of them. Osborne's a little bit interesting because he still has the utilization that you're kind of looking for out of a third receiver. But I, a D, cheap DFS plays, other than that, I'm not really looking their way at all, especially not in redraft leagues. On Carolina's side, it pains me to say, Sam Darnold's still a QB1 for me. He's a QB12 for me this particular week. Not afraid of the Minnesota team. I do think their offense gets a little bit back on track. Why? Because I am a betting man, Chris, and I'm going to bet that CMC is going to be back on the field this week with his full workload and my RB1 for the week. 
I mean, I hope so. The, the coach came out. Matt Rule said he's 50-50 shot to play this weekend. I thought it was really weird he came out with that on a Wednesday and said he's got 50-50 game time. Yeah. I mean, the guy practiced last week, so you tend to think that he should be. If he's practicing again this week, it's a hamstring. He's probably going to be active. I just kind of worry that they're trying to be overprotective, but you can't keep being so protective of your team because Carolina's lost two games in a row now, and suddenly that, that great start starting to become something that they got to start getting back to or the team's going to fade out of the playoff contention real quick. So I do think you're going to see CMC out there and they can get cute in this game. Um, I don't love Sam Darnold still this week, even though the matchup looks good on paper. I still think he's going to have an issue with the pass rush. And I, I do think DJ Moore will pop the receivers, I guess, in a second. Um, but I do love DJ Moore still this week because I think he's, he's obviously the clear number one and probably the only guy you really want in this passing attack. Well, listen, Sam Donald's my QB 12 because I'm counting on CMC coming back and dealing with the passers will be dumping the ball off the CMC. When he's able to do that, he'll have that safe floor. And that'll just continue. Again, we have four teams on by. That'll continue to propel him to be in that low-end QB1 conversation. Now, if Chris McCaffrey, for whatever reason, does not play, then Sam Darn will fall outside my top 12 for that very reason. As far as DJ Moore goes, he's my wide receiver six on the week. You love the matchup. I think he has a big bounce back after last week. He's been a wide receiver one. They, on paper, are trying to get targets to Robbie Anderson. They're they're empty targets, in my opinion, because they're not targets that actually put him in position to actually do anything, even if he was to get them, which he's not. They're not efficient, right, that he's completing them anyway. It's all DJ Moore all the time playing all the favorite routes to Sam Darnold. I'm going to have him fired back up as a high-end wide receiver one in a bounce-back week this week. Yeah. Can we just say that we warned you over and over yeah. at every avenue and every opportunity that we could that this whole Robbie Anderson, Sam Darnold connection was not real. And boy, <laughs> is it playing out in front of us right now. Even they're forcing him targets, he still it's can't still get him the ball. Out. And it's still not working out. This game is practically a pick em. Uh Minus one for Minnesota road favorites. The over-under set at 46. I'm not betting this game. Yeah, that, I don't think this is this is just going to be a, an ugly game in general, I think. Yeah, 100% agree. Let's go to a game that might be really, really fun on paper. The Chargers and the Baltimore Ravens. Chargers, Ravens, whoo, two teams heading in a very hot direction right now. Justin Herbert, my QB9 on the week. You get thrown the Ravens. That that much has been proven, and this offense is playing really, really well right now. So, yeah, fire up Justin Herbert as a top-ten quarterback, no doubt about it. Keenan Allen's my wide receiver, 14. Mike Williams, he didn't practice today. We do have to watch that because it's a new injury we didn't know anything about. I tend to think it's more of just he just gets a day off today. Uh, they, they listed him with a knee. Uh, we'll see tomorrow. If he doesn't practice again tomorrow, then I'll be a little more concerned. As of right now, not too worried, and I have him as my wide receiver, eight coming into the week. And I'll just throw Austin Eckler in there, my RB3. Apparently, you can run the Ravens even with Brandon Williams out there now, too. But Austin Eckler always has that safe floor because he's just showed much target in that game as well. And I'll even say this. Jared Cook my, is a tight end 14 for me, which puts him in the streamer conversation. Yeah, I agree with all that except for the Jared Cook thing. I'm not still a big Cook guy this week. You see part of him getting more opportunity out there the last couple of weeks and scored touchdowns as well. Um, I think this is kind of a – you see the Ravens struggle versus the tight end position, but I think the receivers are going to eat all day, all day. And I think Austin Eckler is going to be the big beneficiary out of the backfield. So I expect those three guys to be the primary guys that are going to be effective this week. Um, Jared Cook's kind of, to me, is a, I think there's some other options I'd highlight, like Rick Seals-Jones we talked about earlier. Yeah, I don't, dis- I don't necessarily disagree with any of that. But, yeah, fire up your chargers and feel very, very confident. Mike Williams, wide receiver one rest of the way? 
I think he should be. I think it's clear that Justin Herbert likes to throw the ball to him. His offense is, is very friendly. It's not making him just run bombs all the time, and it's kind of utilizing his whole skill set. As long as he stays healthy, which is a big thing for Mike Williams, so that's kind of right. the key to me. If he's able to stay healthy, I think he can be a receiver one. If he starts getting those injuries that keep up on him, it's going to get interesting. Well, that's why we got to watch what happened today, and hopefully it's nothing. On the Baltimore side, Lamar Jackson, a.k.a. Superman, a.k.a. just the man, the myth, the legend himself, the entire Baltimore Raven offense, does come in for me at QB5 this week, although would anybody be shocked if he high, finished higher than that? No. The only reason it comes at QB5 is there's a lot of good matchups for the top-end quarterbacks who have been consistently finishing in the top five. But, yeah, you're very excited about Lamar Jackson. Very excited about Marquise Brown. Wide receiver 18 for me this week. As long as they keep chucking the ball down the field and being more aggressive than they ever have in Lamar Jackson's career, Marquise Brown, who, by the way, eye test-wise, looks thicker to me, and he's getting off the line a lot better as a result of that. And that's playing a big difference in his utilization this week, uh, or this year in particular as well. Mark Andrews, my tight end too. Latavius Murray's my RB31 because... Somebody has to be, I guess, but uh, I wouldn't want to play him if you can avoid the entire running back situation. This offense is Lamar Jackson. It's Marquise Brown. It's Mark Andrews. We'll see the debut of Rashad Bateman, but it's not going to be fantasy relevant for this week. We'll just keep our eye on that. But man, do I love these three guys going into this matchup. All right. So I got a couple of questions for you. I, I love Lamar this matchup. I also love the running game because the Chargers have been able to stop anybody on the ground this, this year at all. It seems to be their Achilles heel. And they're definitely a run funnel team. The passing attack has been very limited against them for the most part. Uh, Baker had over 300 yards passing, but a lot of that came from a 70-yard in a Joku where they basically blew coverage and missed a tackle and was able to run for 70 yards. Other than that, the outside receivers, particularly number one receivers versus the San Diego Chargers defense, I mean, it's, it's, all the Chargers defense has been really poor at best. Amari Cooper struggled. Um, you go down the list of all the guys that they faced, it, there has not been a number one receiver have a big game versus Chargers team this entire season. So that's where I was kind of curious where you fall with Marquise Brown. I, I agree with you. Marquise Brown looks bigger, stronger, and he's allowed to run all the routes versus just running goes on his great Roman offense. So magically how much that changes things for people too. I love Marquise Brown. I love what I saw last week. But I have, do have some concerns that he's not going to have the upside people expect him to have because this Chargers defense, particularly in the secondary, against that number one corner, number one receiver, I should say, has been really strong this entire season. I don't disagree with you. Marquise Brown's been too good for him to not be in your starting lineups, first and foremost. That's why he's a wide receiver 18 for me this week. Second of all, you hit the nail on the head when you first opened up with your analysis. They are terrible against the run. The play action is going to be there. And with that, with Marquise Brown, with them taking, they're just taking shots against whoever they play. The plays will be there for him. And I think the reemergence of Mark Andrews goes a long way as well, helping out Marquise Brown for this particular matchup. So no, I'm, I'm not worried, even though the chargers have been effective on paper against number one ride receivers. Yeah. I love Mark Andrews as well this week. All right, guys, guess, uh, guess what time it is. Guess what time it is. The mail's here. Now, if you ever want to get on the mailbag segment, all you got to do is up on social media at belly up MDFF show. Sons of DM. Even if the question doesn't wind up on the show, we're going to answer it. We're going to help you all throughout the season. Like shows like today where we have you guys talking in live. Love it. We're here for you. Remember that. When we do the shows, we love doing them. We're doing them for you to make you better fantasy football players to help you win championships. So first up, we had Amanda and a great tight end question right off the bat. 
She asked Zach Ertz or Dan Arnold this week. Now I have Zach Ertz at tight end six, Dan Arnold at tight end 12. So of course I'm going with Zach Ertz, but I love that you're looking in that direction this week. My advice is depending on what kind of league you're in. If you're in a standard league, then I lean towards Ertz. If you're in a PPR league, I lean towards Arnold. All right, next up, we got Ollie. Michael Pittman or C.D. Lamb? I get why you're bringing up the question. C.D. Lamb hasn't been particularly effective, not not because of his fault, because the Cowboys haven't had to throw the ball very often. Uh, but I'm going to stick with C.D. Lamb here on this one. Yeah, I'm a big believer that there's certain good, good offensive coordinators know to get guys involved when they haven't for a couple of games. I think this is a C.D. Lamb's week, unfortunately, so I don't have him, but I do love C.D. Lamb this week. I think he's going to have a great game, even though Pippen has a good matchup on paper. Yeah, I think if, if we, they're going up against the Patriots, the Patriots stick to their taking away the number one option. I think that's going to be Amari Cooper, not C.D. Lamb in this one. So that's why I think it's going to be very, very interesting. Uh, Joey, should I trade Chris Carson for Chase Claypool and James Conner in a half-point PPR league? So I thought this was a tough one, but I, I'd say no. I still believe in Chris Carson. I had him very high on him going into the season. I think the Russell Wilson injury actually is going to be a benefit to him in some senses where they're going to rely on him a little bit more and utilize him more. Never had more than 15 carries this entire season yet. I don't think that can continue, so I'd still hang on to Chris Carson. I say yes. I say yes because I am worried about the chronic neck injury being a thing that they're going to have to manage, and I think he's going to be questionable in a game-time decision maybe every single week from here on out. I love Claypool's value now that Schuster's out of the way and he's going to have a floor with target share. And Connor, I mean, I'm never going to be excited to play Connor, but the fact that you know he can get touchdowns for you makes him a decent asset at the running back position. And there's a chance, while I don't disagree with you, they might lean a little bit more on the run without Russell Wilson. There's also a chance his offense in general just takes a downturn and isn't able to score as many points either, which is a little bit concerned. So I would actually do this deal if, I mean, if you need running back more then I'm sticking with Chris Carson, but assuming all things being equal, I would actually do this trade. Uh, Dominic, Jamal Williams or Miles Gaskin, full point PPR this week. Again, I talked about it. Miles Gaskin, my RB20 on the week. Jamal Williams, my RB27. He definitely still has more upside to get more involved in the passing game than Jamal Williams does because that's been all DeAndre Swift. So I would definitely say Gaskin. But uh, there, there's still an uneasy feeling in my stomach when it comes to Gaskin until I actually see it two weeks in a row. Yeah, I, I when I first saw this question, I was I was want to flip a coin and say pick whatever the coin says because I think that you're basically getting the same player either way. I don't really think it's going to matter who you play. Yeah, but I, 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 lean, toward, I lean towards Gaston because of the matchup. I'd, I'd have to do it so as well because they're playing Jacksonville. That's going to do it for the show, guys. And remember, we're going to be back tomorrow. Well, I'm going to be back tomorrow at eight thirty. It's going to be a Thursday night game cast with the late Sunday, Sunday night, and Monday night matchup previews from a fantasy football perspective. Basically, what will happen is, you know, there's a big play, there's an injury, what have you. I will react to it throughout the night on Thursday night, and then before the show's over, I'll recap where we're at at that point on Thursday night game. If anything were to happen after that, that's where you follow us on social media at because we have all the player news update notifications. So if an injury happens or some kind of weird utilization happens, we will get it out to you guys. We'll get the information to you, so make sure you're following us along. Check us out. After the show on your favorite pod streaming app, make sure you also check us out from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network at unhingedsn.airtime.pro. I'm Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhower. Guys, have a lovely night and good luck. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. 